Hi everyone and welcome to the Science Roadie podcast where I talk to amazing women in science, music and the arts. Today um, I have an amazing musician on the podcast. Her name is Estella Adeyeri, who's a musician based in London. She currently plays bass guitar in um, punk band Big Joni as well as lead guitar in poppy punk band Charm Pits. She has been performing in bands since 2013 and is an active member of organizations that aim to diversify the music scene, namely Girls Rock, Girls Rock London and Decolonize Fest. Um, I have had the um, great pleasure to see them uh, both live as well, so I, I can highly recommend going to see them uh, and to see Estella live uh, when she's playing again and when it, when it will be possible again as well. Uh, so yeah, hi Estella, good to have you on the podcast today. Hi, thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, sure, thank you. Um, um, I, I'm yeah really happy to, to have you here and that you, you take the time today as well. Um, yeah, as, 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 as we were talking earlier, it's been extra hard weeks for the black community, so I hope you're hanging in there in any case. Yeah, I think um, it's been really, it has been really difficult and hard to kind of focus on anything else really other than the current um, kind of moment and just from the initial, I guess the initial shock of seeing the video of George Floyd circulating on Twitter and really horrendous and I'm kind of glad people um, are trying not to share that kind of content now as well Um, because I don't think it's always helpful to have to see such violence um, perpetuated to know that it's happening Um, and yeah just the way it has been amazing to see the kind of mobilisation afterwards with people kind of showing that enough is enough and we can't take this kind of state violence anymore. You've had all 50 states in the US and protesting against not just this one incident, but obviously also Breonna Taylor and, and all the other kind of victims of state violence and police violence and so yeah it's like it's a combination of just such a prolonged period of injustice not just this one other incident Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's really important to see how we've got to this point and to know that the UK isn't without criticism as well like um, we have our own issues with deaths in custody and I think that's why that kind of mobilization has um, really resonated over here and yeah we've been now seeing the levels of attendance at protests that we're seeing in London for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, I'm originally from Belgium and they had protests there as well today. Um, but it's obviously, as you said, it's been going on for such a long time. And I guess now it's kind of hopefully a turning point in some way um, where everyone, I guess, needs to really change um, things very, very drastically to make sure that it's, it doesn't it gets better, essentially, for everyone, and especially for, for the black community in particular. So, um, so yeah, um, but yeah, 
hopefully things will go yeah will improve going forward so i'm really hoping and crossing my fingers there and and yeah just trying to do something as well obviously um but um coming back to essentially i guess obviously you, you as a musician as well you um now you can't play any gigs obviously so so has have you been able to kind of bring your music out in other ways and also express your music in other ways and also because you've been working a lot on on kind of the advocating side as well to increase diversity with the music through the decolonized fest which sadly could not happen is that can you tell us a bit more about that as well how you've been able to in lockdown in quarantine been able to kind of continue what you actually were doing through music as well yeah like um, it's been a strange time I don't think I've gone this long without playing live for a long time and so yeah I think it, especially in the kind of first weeks of lockdown here there was and um, it felt like there was quite a big move to try and at least um, replace the live experience with something. So, um, like, a lot of kind of streaming events started popping up, like Facebook live streams, um, an event that had been scheduled to happen at the Free Word Centre that Decolonized Fest had curated, and that was moved online, it happened on YouTube, um, things like that. I know Big Joni um, have done a handful of online performances. We're not um, isolating together. So Seth, uh, the lead singer and guitarist at Big Journey, has done some solo sets. Um, I played by myself at home and as part of a trumpet streaming set. Um, so yeah, it's just, just been about trying to find ways to still connect while we're so apart at this time mm -hmm. and obviously or well I guess some people might not know but Bandcamp um one of the main I guess like streaming platforms or um, music distribution platforms online has been doing FE wave and mm -hmm. um, for, for the past couple of months so um on the first Friday of each month all of the um Revenue generated on that platform will go directly to artists and mm -hmm. um, won't take a cut on the first Friday of each month, and that's proved really popular. Um, and we've just had another Bandcamp Friday this weekend. Um, so we chose, or Big Choney and also Trump chose to use that weekend uh, to raise funds mm -hmm. for different kind of initiatives, starting towards. Um, it's social and racial justice and the colonized festival as well. So with um, Big Journey, we raised funds for um, Black Lives Matter UK. And then with Decolonized Fest, um, we've made the decision to split our uh, earnings from Bandcamp between Black Lives Matter UK and also the Majority Fund, mm -hmm. which is uh, raising money for people who have been and um, suffered bereavement uh, within the BAME community, so black and minority, black, Asian and other minority ethnicities, communities. Um, 
say, uh, some of these communities, for example, haven't been able to hold like the usual religious ceremonies that might be held um, if we weren't in lockdown. And then also Trumpet and decided to donate all of our funds to the United Families and Friends campaign. Okay. Which um, supports people who've been affected by deaths in police, prison and psychiatric custody. So I feel like um, all of those causes are still working to kind of the same end, which is like justice and freedom from um, police violence, state yeah. violence, state neglect as well, I think, mm-hmm. particularly in terms of the rate of um, COVID-19 in um, POC communities, like uh, communities of people of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I do, I think I kind of see these issues as connected, so it felt good to be able to do something to assist with these um, movements um, when it's so easy to feel like um, it's so easy to feel like it's difficult to really do anything when you're in a situation where we're supposed to not be mm-hmm. interacting or in a space with each other and communing with each other. So that has been quite difficult, I think. Um, and I found it odd as well, sorry to continue this monologue, but um, yeah, like within the past week, because there's obviously been, um, and it's, I'd say it's positive, like a movement to try and for more people to engage with uh, texts written by black people, black, um, I guess, scholars, philosophers, also artists in general, just engage with texts that aren't always seen as uh, mainstream texts, for example, to engage with our history, our colonial history, mm-hmm. particularly in the UK, that we don't really get taught in schools, etc. And then there's been this movement um, to also listen to more black artists, mm-hmm. which I think is really great. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I know... For example, with Joni, we are a black feminist punk band, but I didn't want to feel like we're profiting off this moment just because we're now being added into playlists and stuff and Black Lives Matter playlists. And it's just kind of, it's not really, it just feels very, like, uncomfortable to see, like, I don't know, a jump in streams because essentially, because someone died. Mm. So I would rather, um, having had so many people directed to our page on Bandcamp Day, mm-hmm. I'm glad that that money's going towards um, the cause and not just towards ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, but it feels like there's, there's just a lot going on right now to... Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. Um, I mean, it's great what Bandcamp did um, for the past now. I guess during the lockdown as well, but um, but then Friday as well that uh, and 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 uh, that you donated your proceeds to to the charities that you mentioned and Black Lives Matter then in particular. Um, 
do you, I mean, you just mentioned now as well that obviously you've been added to playlists, um, but do, where do you think that music could play a, a role going forward in the dialogue, for example? Because obviously your music is, is punk music, so it is more, I guess, politically heavy or the message is, 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 um, is more politically heavy. It's, do you think that music in general could really make a change there? Like I'm just thinking of, for example, Tracy Chapman in the past that always had that message as well and tried to make a difference through her. I guess she said of she says obviously herself she's not an activist. It's more like how people see my music. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about how you approach your own music and how music in general, I guess, within this space, could be? potentially a, a, a channel in some way? Um, I think I would see it and um, hopefully if I'm interpreting what she's um, said correctly, kind of in a similar way like for example so Sefi writes the lyrics to Big Jobel songs um, and she'd say that I mean I, th- I think a lot of the lyrics are personal in the way that, and I guess it's political in the way that the personal is always political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, she's never really set out to be like, I'm going to write this political song today. Mm-hmm. But um, we're all black women. Our identities are immediately politicised when we live within a structurally racist society. You can't really escape that. Um, politics is encroach on how we experience our day-to-day lives. So I think that listening can be informative um, and helpful for people just in seeing the fullness and like the kind of full scope of black lives and what they actually entail and understanding like the variance and nuance between our lives as well. And, like, I think there's just such a, often such a limited portrayal of black life, what it means, and if you look in, like, mainstream media and the way black people are portrayed, there's often such a narrow kind of way that we're, allowed to exist or that's presented as our existence is the extent of our existence and one of the things like for example with decolonized us was a big point of it was just being like um hey there's black punks too or there's black and brown punks there's people of color and punk it's not some sort of anomaly mm-hmm. it's going on the whole time but it doesn't tend to get archived as much as the angry white man shouting on punk Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah, like the history is so often whitewashed, and so yeah, that was kind of like a huge part of why we would say the colonized fest is by punks of color for punks of color. It's partly to show like look, there's all these bands here right right now, right here and now. If we can fill a punk festival with POC bands for a whole weekend with no issues. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to keep having these all-white bills at festivals, but simultaneously, it's also very much about 
showing our respect and appreciation for the poets of colour who've come before us and making sure their stories are told and that they're not forgotten. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about like, like decolonized fests and how it, because you obviously, when did, when did it start exactly? How, what, like, is it like three years that it, it is around or I forgot? So the collective started in the summer of 2016. Oh, yeah. and that was again started by Seth from Big Joni. So she'd just written on Facebook and um, hey, there's a festival of like black and brown punks in the lineup, like, who would you want to see on the bill, and, like, would you want to go? And it got loads of responses, so she was obviously like, oh, there's, you know, kind of, there is actually a big demand for this, like, why don't we make it happen? And then she held, like, the first meeting um, of what eventually became the organising group for Decolonize Fest, and um, and was kind of very, um, what's the word? Yeah, it was just very specific from the outset uh, what the festival would represent, that it was it was always from the beginning, this has got to be by people of colour, for people of colour, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people of colour organising this festival, because we should have a say in the, in, well, I guess, yeah, we know best, like, the experience that we want to create and what we've, have missing when we attended other festivals, for example, mm-hmm. don't commit to having people of colour in their lineups. So, yeah, so that's the organising started in 2016, but the first festival wasn't held until the summer of 2017. And then it had been held yearly ever since. But obviously, with Corona this year, we've had to postpone really the festival that should have taken place at the end of May. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, things will be able to continue in the near future again as well. So, um, because because it's like you say, it's it's an it's a great initiative from the outset. But also, it, it's the the issue with a lot of festival lineups before uh, uh, was obviously that it's one, it's very male focused often, and aside mm-hmm. from the male focus, it's very white as well so um while there's there's so many musicians that are from the from diverse backgrounds that are equally good or better or or just that they're they're great musicians but they they don't come on the on the playlist on on the they're not chosen for the lineup essentially so that's great that you're essentially um yeah opening up that I guess that conversation to show people that well actually there's these amazing bands here um, that should be given a voice as well I guess on, on bigger stages and um, so but uh, yeah in, in terms of can you tell us a bit more about yourself and how you basically got started with music in the first place? Um, yeah, I think I've been into music since I was really little. Um, like my parents kind of shoved me off to piano lessons from about the age of four. Um, and I remember like my, well, both my parents um, played instruments um, like kind of in their home countries. Like when my mum was younger, um, she grew up in Dominica and um, she's playing like piano accordion and still plays that a little over here. And my dad used to play um, piano 
And I think a little bit of organ as well, but it was also really into like his records mm-hmm. and his cassettes. So like he'd always be playing like records at the weekend and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I was always surrounded by like um, a family who was into and interested in music. And I had uh, an older sister who was um, kind of playing different instruments and stuff as well. So I had like that direct peer of someone who was into music. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of throughout school, I was either like um, doing a bit of piano and they make you play the recorder, obviously, go to school in the UK. I don't know if they still do that. Hopefully everyone gets to experience mm-hmm. that joy or displeasure depending <laughs> on the side of the fence you're yeah. um, And then I was playing like woodwinds and cloud up for a bit. And I thought I wanted to go on to play saxophone after that. But then I heard like alternative music and was like, actually, I want to play electric guitar. So when I was 13, I got my first electric guitar. And I had lessons for maybe like a year, I think. And then I was just teaching myself from that one, really. Um, and then at some point, I think in my early 20s, like a friend had a band, he needed a bassist. So that's when I picked up bass. But um, yeah, definitely always had like a long interest and mm-hmm. passion for music, really. Yeah, 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 and the bass is is often an underestimated instrument, I think, in a band. But it's actually such an important instrument because you said essentially the it's like a drum. I often compare it with a drummer mm. because you kind of give the I guess the the tone or the the rhythm in some way as well to the to the music uh, of the vocalists and and so on. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I think yeah, it's often yeah. put in I the back, obviously, but it's such an important instrument, yeah. So. Yeah, and, like, I've played um, drums for a little while as well, um, and I think, I think I just have, like, a kind of general interest, you know, if I had all the time and money in the world, I think I'd play a lot more instruments mm-hmm. than I think because I find it so interesting to just kind of, Learn to play, yeah, not only learn to play other instruments, but kind of realise the role that they play when you are playing collectively, whether that's in some sort of group or a band. And it can really change kind of my perspective on creating music or, like, writing my own songs and stuff like that. And, like, with drums, I found it really interesting just how varied people's techniques can be or the way they even the way they might construct like a fill or something mm-hmm. you start trying to learn other people's songs for example and just like the tiny little details that you notice and the kind of endless possibilities mm-hmm. I found really like such a interesting kind of like rabbit hole that you could just dive into forever yeah yeah oh yeah I love that <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the um, the music writing, you previously said obviously, so we, with Big Joni, Steph is writing most of the songs. Um, like, have have you done much songwriting yourself? And and also, what what when if so, what what kind of inspires you when you write, or how do you start 
um, yeah, as well. It depends on the setting that I'm in. So, yeah, in Big Journey, like, stuff will usually have, like, the first, the initial idea. So she might come with, like, a riff and some lyrics or something. And then it's, we work on it as a three-piece. Mm-hmm. So every second she being our drummer. We'll then, like, flesh out the song together. And it may end up somewhere slightly different from where she started it. Mm. But I think it's through that process that it kind of becomes, um, in my opinion, becomes like a big journey song. Mm. It's through that collaboration. And um, I think it's interesting as well, because both with Big Journey and Champit, there's a band that had been established already before I joined them. So I replaced um, a bassist who'd like me to Glasgow in Big Journey. Mm-hmm. And in Champet, I was an additional guitar, so they were a three-piece originally, and then I drew a play lead guitar. So with Champet, it's kind of like, um, again, like Anne-Marie and Rihanna, mm-hmm. um, who play bass and guitar, and respectively, and other vocalists. And mm-hmm. um, they'll often start off with an idea, and then it kind of grows, and then... Yeah, at practice, I'll think about um, how I'm going to weave in my lead guitar part. And um, I've said it somewhere else as well, but like, um, I really liked the description that Max from um, Garden Centre gave, where he said my guitar was like the third harmony of like the two kind of harmonising vocals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was like, Quite cool, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, I feel like like every part that I'm writing in those kind of situations, I am writing to make sure that my parts fit. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it sounds really basic, but I think, uh, for me, like, harmonising is important. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like I was trying to like listen or understand like what the message or the tone is behind the song or like in Champet I might be given certain directions like oh I want this song to feel like this particular emotion or I envision this film when I and play this song and then I have to take that away and kind of make that into the sound which I find really interesting. Yeah. But um, for writing my like stuff that's purely my own, um, I guess I used to play in this band Junk, mm-hmm. um, where I played guitar and sang. So I wrote quite a few songs for that, um, and I've written some stuff to prompts in lockdown. And mm-hmm. um, and I guess my my methods for Junk tended to be like sometimes just like keeping notes of lyrics or local ideas as they come and go or like just kind of playing around, clapping around with the guitar and then coming up with a riff that I like or some sort of like pattern that I like and formulating a song that way um, and sometimes it's intentional, sometimes not whereas in lockdown um, I found myself writing in a totally different way because it's the first time in a long time 
where I've been kind of completely alone with my music. I would usually much prefer collaborating and, and being in like a group band practice and stuff. But I think also I was probably just like a little bit nervous to write stuff that's like solely my own. Whereas when it, you're kind of forced into the situation and then I had, for example, a friend had asked for musicians to contribute to her art um, projects. So I, and she gave us like this story to form the basis of um, our song. So we basically had to write like a musical response mm-hmm. to this Greek myth. And I found that is quite an interesting way to start writing creatively because you have this almost like this specification of what to do mm-hmm. you can kind of go off with it and um, because I've been learning to like and um, use a synth and learning to use Ableton at that time and um, which were kind of new processes for me it meant that I wrote in quite a different way to how I think I would formulate a song normally and mm-hmm. um, like I ended up coming up with something that where the vocals was spoken word which I've never done before. Yeah. And they don't have all these like weird electronic sounds and so so yeah, I think I guess what I'm saying is that my methods tend to be situational and yeah. they change over time. I, I love that you said that um well I, I had a similar feeling. I'm obviously a very inexperienced musician, but the times that I was in a feminist punk group band <laughs> in twenty sixteen <2016, laughs> With Unladylike, I remember just by, because I obviously I had been playing piano before, a little bit here and there, the keys, but not really a lot. Or But once I was in the group and we were making music together, it was like just things came more naturally, I felt, than it did. I don't know, that part of collaboration that you mentioned before, I think it's, it can be so, yeah, so key to to yeah music or yeah I'm not saying that obviously solo artists are incredible as well but personally I think for me it really opened up a lot of just uh, I guess um, inspiration um, to make music myself rather than if I'm alone it's I will dabble a bit but it's not not necessarily the same I think in my case but but yeah so it's, it's great to hear about your process how you approach things as well whether you're alone or, or in a in a band um, and, and then I had um I was wondering as well because obviously you kind of you obviously have been touring with a lot of other musicians uh, as Big Joni for example to to open for them um, can you tell us a bit more one one how that kind of I guess collaboration with the other artists got started but also how you experienced that yourself as artists um, and then you as, you as, a, as an artist uh, as well because the last obviously the last concert I think that you probably played as well and that I saw is the was with Slater Kinney in yeah. Brixton Academy so I was yeah I was just interested to hear how you basically go about that as well when you open for other people and how that that basically gets started yeah I think we only managed to squeeze in like one other gig after that um Mm. the International Women's Week oh yeah yeah Uh, yeah then after since then it's been nothing and that was kind of like I know for a lot of friends that 
the Slate new gig was like the last gig they wrote to you before lockdown. Yeah. yeah, same, yeah. And it feels like so much longer ago than it actually was. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like with Big Jamie, I guess, um, because they've just been gigging for so long, so I think the band did actually start in 2013. Like I said, it, it started before I joined. Um, so they've been playing in like London for a long time. And um, I think by the time I did join, which I want to say is like January 2017. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always get it wrong, so someone might actually know better than me, but I think it's around that. Okay. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, you can fact check it and call me out if I'm wrong. Yeah, like uh, the process for us was just to kind of keep playing and keep um, branching out to like other cities we've not been to before and like playing small venues there and then I think when the album came out in particular um, so the first album came out in at the end of November 2018 and um, that had got like a lot of press because we've been working with our label Daydream Library series and so that's obviously run by Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. her partner Ava Prince. So, um, yeah, they're obviously able to like really promote the album for us and everything. And um, so, it got we got heard by a lot more people that way. Um, and so, for tours, like usually for just like the bands themselves or their agents on their behalf of the bands would get in touch with us and like ask us to join so and like I think uh, quite early on so before Sisters had come out we'd toured with Downtown Boys and South 13 and just through them or their booking agents reaching out and yeah once the album came out and or when it was coming out we got to tour with like Parquet Courts and toured with Gossip in Europe Mm. Um, and opened for like the raincoats for the uh, the 40th anniversary of their album, and um, obviously Bikini Kill and Slowly Kenny as well. Mm. So um, it was really cool because um, yeah, almost all of those bands are kind of direct influences um, or like things we'd listen to anyway, even if you don't necessarily hear it within our music, but like. I'd say definitely, again, for Seth in particular, like, Slater Kinney is such a big, direct influence in their sound. And mm-hmm. um, Sonic Youth as well, actually. Um, that was, like, kind of a big deal, I think, especially for Shadeen as well, I'd say. Um, I've been listening to Parker Courts for years. We obviously all love, like, Gossip and Keen Kill and stuff. Yeah. So it was cool to tour with bands or get to open for bands that had specific meaning mm-hmm. to the band as well and been such a big influence and uh, definitely like partly responsible for its existence. So um, yeah, I just feel really lucky to be able to have taken part in those kind of things. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just amazing, I guess. So it's 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 to see also the, the especially the the most of the most of the bands you've opened for are mostly women as well. So I think that is something um, something great, I guess, as well, in terms of 
like Cedar Kinney having all women, uh, like you, all women, and, and the next band. I think as a woman myself, it's incredibly great <laughs> just to <laughs> see women doing so incredibly well on in music, but also just the message that they carry on um, and, and, and within their music and then, and then uh, within their message and so on. I think it's, it's, it's very important as well just to show that. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that as well because I think, you know, we all know how ages the music mm. it can be and um, once again situated within a society that is quite ageist a lot of the time, particularly if you combine that with like the sexism within society and like what older women are generally um let's say quote unquote allowed to do as they age or the ways that we're allowed to be seen. <clears throat> so it's there's something so positive about being able to play with bands who've been going for twenty plus years or forty plus years and they're still filling out massive venues and they're still killing it on stage. Mm -hmm. Like, that to me is really inspiring. And it, I think it's just like, yeah, I think before I think I want to say it, but yeah, it's just, it shows the kind of like importance and longevity that music can have. Or like, even just being in the audience and meeting someone who's been going to see Slake and Ethan, like, since they were 20 and now they're 40 or whatever, and, like, how they've kind of grown up with that music and it being so meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just think that in, in a society where things can seem so throwaway, or I think the music industry as well likes to kind of just kind of trample through trends and stuff, mm -hmm that there is actually space for art to be like long lasting. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was actually with someone who had been a fan for, for this long, uh, 20 years and more. Uh, so, um, and, and yeah, she was telling me how much the impact, the music had impacted her just as a, as a person, um, through her life in different situations and so on. And she was still a very diehard fan of them as well so um uh yeah i i wanted to ask you as well because uh, something that i've been a fan of kexp for now almost 20 years oh, wow. i've been listening to them every day for such a long time and it's like john and cheryl they're like my my friends or uh, it's feel it's so nice and i know that you were um on on their, when they were back in London, right? When they were doing their show in London? You yeah. were doing a gig with them, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more how that was and, and kind of, yeah. Yeah, that was um, a really great uh, day, actually, really fun and so awesome to meet um, the team as well. Mm -hmm. So that was last year for um, International Class Show. Mm -hmm. They had a gig at Studio 1994 in East London. Um, so, it was cool because it was being like live streams, but I guess we're, I think for the time zone, maybe we're five hours mm. ahead. But um, yeah, they had over a couple of days a bunch of awesome bands. Like, I think they had shopping on a different day as well, and um, he's like one of our favorite bands. But um, 
yeah, they've got together, like, a, just put together a set each day of, like, punk bands to celebrate, like, Akash's legacy and the like, legacy of punk as well and stuff. And so, yeah, we played probably for about half an hour. Um, they'd said, like, we weren't allowed to swear because it has to, they would have to, like, drop the um, sound for 10 seconds so that it wouldn't stream the swearing mm-hmm. live. Um, but yeah, like, it was just really nice to be able to, again, like, meet a crew who care so much about music and artists and their art and supporting it and they're so into, like, championing um, new music as well, the new artists, they're really kind to us and, um, yeah, really, that, I think that really helps, like, kind of get... Um, get a, help us build our profile in the States as well and things like that. But, um, yeah, overall it was just, like, it, it was weird for me because, yeah, like, I, you know, I watched the KEXB live sessions on YouTube and stuff. I didn't expect to be, ever be a part of it. So, yeah, just really appreciative that they reached out and kind of got what we were doing with our music and invited us to be a part of something as special as that. Yeah, I, I, that's why I love them and I've been listening to them for for almost 20 years now is just because they're, they, yeah, they would treat the, the I guess, the biggest artist and a beginning, a beginning artist or less known artist in a very similar way, I think, as well, when they do their interviews or their live streams. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And also it's a kind of a non-commercial approach to the radio making. They're just there really to make radio and as well and learn about music and I think that's makes them really special compared to a lot of other I guess commercially incentivized radio stations so definitely yeah um great um I um um so so obviously we haven't talked yet about Girls Rock London too much but that's kind of how we met uh, initially as well um, so Girls Rock London an amazing organization you're part of that is creating safe spaces for girls and women to make music and so on. obviously now sadly because of the coronavirus uh, the women's camp was not able to go on the, I guess the girls camp is still a question mark when that if that would happen um, at some point Obviously, in my, I mean, I took part in the women's camp in 2016 and it was incredible. It was such a great community and I still love it today when I see uh, the musicians coming together and making music as well and, and, and the gang. I was just um, like your, um, obviously this is, organization is very much around kind of giving women and girls a voice in music. Women of all, yeah, uh, women and girls of all um, backgrounds and, and in particular, I guess, a focus on underrepresented groups and, and um, underprivileged kids as well. So, I was wondering how do you see the future kind of for girls and women that want to go into music um, from different backgrounds, but also like obviously, you, 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 you work as a musician, but the music industry is changing still so much, and how. Yeah, what what do you see would happen? Like for you, would 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 you like to see happen in the future to actually boost the the kind of the take up of more women and uh, and I guess young young uh, women within music um, lineups etc. as well, but also I guess 
um, especially with all the, the there's so much bias going on there's so much diversity issues going on and so on as well so um, I, uh, yeah I was just interested to hear your views around that as well um, to make sure that what you're doing with Decolonize Fest, what you're doing with Girls Rock London, what you're doing with basically as a feminist punk rock band as well, punk band to kind of give give yourself a voice, but also other people a voice. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe the fl yeah. I just wanted was interested to hear your views around that as well. Yeah, like it's. I don't think it's. Um, I think Corona's kind of changed everything with this uncertainty about the future um, and what things are going to look like for music for a while. Um, so yeah, like you said, Girls at London, um, usually in the summer we'd hold a camp for young people, so and that could be young women, also uh, trans youth, uh, anyone who's non-binary as well is also welcome to attend the camp. Um, and yeah, that usually that would be in person for a week, um, making music together, getting young people to form bands, having us adult volunteers um, tutor and coach throughout the week. And so at the moment in Girls Not London, we're just trying to hammer out what, um, what we can provide over the summer from a distance. Um, so that, so that like the young people within our community, like the girls' community, is still supported because we've spoken a lot about how, like, this is still like it's actually it's quite a traumatic time for a lot of people as well. Like, mm -hmm. um, being separated from family members. Some people might have experienced bereavement due to COVID nineteen, mm -hmm. and being separated from your friends for how many weeks um, that the school's been closed, etc. Um, it's really difficult, and I, I can't imagine how I'd have coped with it as a young person. So we just want to make sure that even if we can't be together, like in person, that we're still showing up for, for our young community and providing things that can help them feel the ways we want them to feel at camp, which is, you know, like, empowered to create in the way that they want to create and to have kind of, like, creative freedom. Like, you know, we have no set genre. Like, the rock in Girls Rock London isn't referring to genre. You can create any type of music you want. Um, and, like, yeah, like, getting access to instruments and stuff. So usually at camp we have you know, the sponsors who can provide us with um, amps, other gear, equipment. We've had musicians donate their own drum kits to us, things like that. So, yeah, we're kind of troubleshooting now, like, how can we still provide a great experience, um, even if it has to be a socially distanced experience. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of thought about that now. I think in the long term... Um, I think it's like with many issues it is so structural mm -hmm. uh, like in the ways that for example this week there's been a lot of questions raised about the fact that you know you go if you look at who's making up 
um, the, again, quote-unquote industry uh, itself, who's running the labels, who's running the A&R or whatever, um, it's dominated by cis white men, mm-hmm. many black people, people of colour in top positions in these places. There's not that many women or non-binary people or trans people at the tops of these places. Um, and so that's obviously trickling down going to have an effect on who gets represented, whose art uh, or music is seen as valuable or should be represented, etc. who's going to have money thrown behind them to um, get their marketing out or whatever. So I think, yeah, a lot of that change is important. And I guess I see things like Girls Rock London or there's so many kind of groups. I think there's like Women in Sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get these names right. Um, like um, Music Production for Women. Um, we also work with Omni Collective, who um, do a lot of, work around in getting women and non-binary people into electronic music or like learning how to do production stuff like that mm-hmm. so I think those kind of initiatives are really crucial and I think it will maybe help when the people with power start employing these initiatives that the people without power have had to just kind of fight to build up themselves. And, mm-hmm. um, like, there's no reason why, you know, a, a big audio production company can't make the effort to try and, um, you know, fill entry-level places with, you know, people, uh, for example, a person of colour or... Um, a woman or encourage people from these groups in particular to apply because it's it can be secular like if you don't see yourself represented in that specific area and um, I'll take sound for example sound engineering mm-hmm. every time you go to a show the sound engineer is like it's this white dude mm-hmm. why would you think that you who isn't that could be that like so yeah I think we just need to keep having places that challenge those ideas and for me that was DIY Space for London Mm -hmm. and I learned to sound engineering and I think and I only did that because they specifically put a call out saying we're going to have um like that we're going to have a workshop that is specifically for women and non-binary people mm. and it's not for cis men mm. I remember them getting a lot of backlash for that on the Facebook page and I thought it was ridiculous because I'd go and I'd see these men complaining that they couldn't come to this workshop but they were already at college studying music tech so they didn't need it mm-hmm. they were upset that they couldn't go that this one thing wasn't for them and so I think we need to just keep challenging those attitudes and do it, making these kind of positive moves to encourage people who haven't be, been represented in the past to get into these kind of spaces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, representation is everything, right? Mm-hmm. For for everyone that is already, I guess, 
teenager or adult but also for very young kids to actually see what what they can actually become as well or just have role models or people you look up to and yeah and just yet yeah, as you said to get access and change things structurally from the inside if you don't get the chance it will never happen so um sadly but um but yeah that's uh, do you have any like final comments about um, kind of your what is your future um, music uh, kind of outlook looking I mean now obviously aside from the the pandemic but where do you see yourself with Bijoni or Charmpit or solo in in like in the future what would be your ideal project to do or or um, going forward uh, I think ideally I'd like quit my day job <laughs> but like but thinking realistically um, yeah again it's hard to know but I imagine at some point in the future touring will be a thing again um, which I'm really excited to get back to um, I just love getting to meet like different audiences and surfing to see different places and It's really interesting to, yeah, to be able to communicate. It's like one way to communicate across borders, I guess. Like, someone might be listening to your album in, like, Germany, for example, mm-hmm. and then, like, you get to go and, like, meet that person and hear what it's meant to them and stuff like that. And I find that, I don't know, yeah, it's just, like, I guess it is like literally a universal language and something to connect with people over. Um, so yeah, I really like being able to take part in that and hopefully I'll get to do it again. And the Charmpit album, our first album came out this April. Mm-hmm. And so obviously all the touring for that got cancelled. So we're really excited to get out and take the album on the road. And we've received like, you know, really generous response to it. People seem to have liked it and stuff. And so, yeah, we're excited to take that out to people. Um, and, yeah, I think, like, Big Jane will still be working on our second album. Got, like, we should have some, I guess, like, news about stuff we've been trying to keep doing behind the scenes and lockdown coming out soon. So, yeah, we're definitely still quite active. And then, yeah, I think I'm just going to carry on trying to and finally master Ableton and then maybe do some more stuff myself at home and I did the thing of making a pop shield out of a wire hanger in an old pair of tights so it's definitely still DIY. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I've been dabbling with Ableton as well but I'm still very basic but it's fun like the things that I've been it's very basic still but it's like it's so it it could be so versatile and Vicky gave me a session one day once uh, and it was amazing yeah what she was able to obviously show me within the time that we were together the possibilities yeah it's it's great so good luck with that in any case going forward um so yeah so let's end with the fire the quick fire quiz now and I just will ask you some questions about your personal music taste and so on and and um and yeah then we'll we, we can hear, um, learn a bit more still about kind of what you're doing currently as well so 
Um, is there an album or a song that has impacted you in some way and how did it impact you? Um, well, that's really hard to like, pick this one. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say I've really been enjoying the Hayley Williams solo album um, which came out during lockdown as well. Um, I think it impacted me partially because like, I literally saw Paramore, um, I think, in 2006. Mm-hmm. And um, Hayley Williams is, like, maybe a year or two older than me. So I feel like I've kind of grown up with that band being in my life. Um, they started off pretty emo. I was, like, into emo at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like for people, a lot of people my age, that was a very, like, formative period mm-hmm. so I love but, them as well so yeah they're great and yeah I just feel like um so much of that rest of that album and um, really resonates like the kind of discussions of growth and um healing kind of embedded with it as well I just feel like there's so many layers to it and it's mm-hmm. so exciting to see where she's gone um in all this time of being in Paramore and kind of becoming comfortable with putting out a solo album, something she once said she'd never do. So, yeah, I think um, I'm actually still exploring that album, I think. And yeah, I think it's, there's so much to kind of glean from it and get lost in with it. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Great. I'll check it out, actually, after our conversation. I haven't heard it yet, her album, so... Um... I'll definitely have a listen now. Um, a recommendation um, by a female musician and why her? So. Oh, uh, Charlotte Edishere. Okay. Uh, I'm saying right. Uh, who's someone I saw when Big Journey played um, this festival called Simsal, um last summer in Galicia, where it's a festival where the people attending don't find out who's on the lineup until like the day of the festival or something. So Big Joni on the lineup and then we saw um yeah, we saw Charlotte as a show perform. She's I think she's based in France at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, makes kind of like electronic music. They're a two piece really so she performs with a, another musician as well. Okay. But um, yeah they gave us really cool like electronically dancey set and I hadn't heard her before but music was sort of catchy and some of it some of what she says is quite like the delivery is quite sarcastic mm-hmm. as well. but um yeah she's like an artist I've had like added to my playlist and been really enjoying yeah okay great I'll check definitely check her out as well um yeah. are you current what are you currently reading um I just started listening to, it is a book, yep. I started listening to um, the audio version of The Betcher of the Earth by France Planner, and okay. um, trying to do some kind of like background reading uh, on this current moment, and also um, within Decolonized Tests, we're trying to read more um, kind of classic texts around like race and also organizing. So yeah, that was kind of like a key text that I need to study up on. So I've been listening to that, and I also, in lockdown, downloaded finally um, 
the ebook version of um, Eat Up by Ruby Tando. Um, I think so. I've always really enjoyed kind of like all her articles and the kind of output I see on Twitter that I still I haven't got around to getting the book. So, um, and yeah, I wasn't sure how long it would take to get delivered in lockdown. So I got the ebook and yeah. that a lot as well. Okay, very good. I'll definitely check that out as well. Um, okay, your favorite invention and why? Um, oh, I just one. <laughs> it can be something very simple or very complex, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, I've really enjoyed playing around with, um, I've got, I've borrowed a Moog sub party synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've been learning to use in lockdown and I think as an invention it's fun because again yeah, there's just so many possibilities of the sounds that you can create with it and um, it looks like something like a bonkers scientist would have invented like but they would look so like I'd look at a synthesizer and be like well that's like eight million buttons like what is going on <laughs> yeah and it also um, yeah, it's an analog synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Which looks like someone dumped it on my desk from the eighties or something. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying experimenting with that. And yeah, yeah, no, a synth is a great. It's true. It's like sometimes a button. There's so many buttons, or or um, yeah. like uh, rolling buttons as well. It's like, what does this do, or what does? But then I guess once you get the hang of it, it's it's amazing what it can create music-wise. So, um, yeah, it's it something I thought like, ah, oh, I can just turn it on and get going, and I couldn't do that. And um, that was quite interesting for me. I was like, oh, I actually have to like learn what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally understand these different sound wave shapes. So yeah, that was that was an interesting process. Okay, great. <laughs> I hope you continue now doing it in the future as well. Maybe once you get your hands on on a new one, on another yeah. one again as well. Um, a social impact project that people should look into. Ooh, um, uh, they yeah definitely look into first timers and which encourage again like um, people to start bands um, and. They, oh, yeah, like everybody who takes part in first timers, like your band has to have members and um, that contain people from marginalised identities, and so that might be marginalised either by um, your gender, um, your sexual orientation, maybe have a disability, um, it could be, yeah, like race as well, um, and usually, again, outside of lockdown, the idea of first time is, is it's a gig where every band is playing for the first time. And it's really great for encouraging just like new music and also getting people to play on stage before they're necessarily perfect. I just think that's so important because no band just gets churned out fully formed and like so much of the passion is in that space where it's maybe not perfect in inverted commas but it's still like it's so authentic and it's so fun and I always really want people to know that you don't have to be like 
a perfect musician or like a grade eight musician to be able to go on stage and you shouldn't like you can still be like a new band and still deserve to be heard on stage and that's what first time is about so I definitely want to shout that out yeah no great choice Uh, I've seen uh, a band that was on first timers afterwards actually as well and um, I mean, I remember the first time I was on stage as well, and it was going up was more terrifying than actually being on stage because once you were playing, it was so much fun. But yeah. it was kind of getting there, and like you said, it's kind of that step between not being on stage and being on stage is you seem so huge in the beginning. It's like, well, I'll never be there, but this is a great initiative. I love it. Yeah. So. Okay, and then my last question is that if you, whether you have a challenge for the audience, um, could be something for them to check out, to look into as well, or to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess to maybe try and tap into something creatively that you haven't tried before, like um, like one of the I say few good things come out of lockdown is. Um, so much has been made available for free, like either music creating apps like Moog have put like a synthesizer app out for free. Um, there's one like a sampling app called the iChaosolator, um, Chaos with a K, um, that's really fun. I, I was confused by it for quite some time when I first got it. Uh, there's a lot of like flashing lights. But, um, yeah, you can kind of, like, create loops on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to, I think it's io808.com, you can play around with, like, a virtual 808, like, drum track thing, which is really fun. Oh, amazing. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then there is, like, an online um, synth um, thing, so I can't remember what the URL is. But, yeah, just try, like... I know so many people who are like, oh, like, I'm not musical at all or whatever, but you might just have not yet found your thing or like your way of making music. And yeah, there's all these apps that make it so much easier and you don't have to like necessarily have done like music, GCSE or whatever. You can still like get busy making some noise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then my challenge would be to like maybe try and find an app or some sort of like tool like that and have a go at making your own music and just just for yourself as well not for any purpose other than being explorative and having fun yeah yeah that's great i i have i've tried the one that is called remix live it's it's like super basic but to me it's great because you can just create electronic music and give it like a drum and bass sound to it or um, but it's, it's yeah, just for fun. But it's like you said, it's it's kind of that you're actually creating something um, yeah. with like minimal effort, really. Uh, so so great. All right, very good. Thank you so much for yeah for coming on the podcast and for sharing uh, your story and and your work and everything else. And like a final question: if people want to get in touch or want to get just to know more about what you're doing what what is the best way to kind of yeah where to to find information or or to reach out to you um yeah like i have um i guess i'm on all social media usually mm-hmm. just at my name like at Estella, at Diary, on twitter 
um, on Instagram, and that they tend to be where I usually post what I'm going to be getting up to or whatever. Um, and yeah, like my bands are on social media as well. Um, so yeah, like it is just I guess in the the Twitter sphere, etc. But yeah. tend to find me. So have okay, a look. Okay. I'll add some links anyway to the show notes that, so people can find easily your Instagram and and. Twitter, for example, so uh, so you can check it out more in detail. Um, yeah. Great. All right. But thank, thanks so much. And yeah, I mean, wishing you all the best going forward with lockdown and everything else as well. Um, so yeah, but um, hopefully we can see each other soon again as well. So um, thanks. Thanks so much, Estella. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye.